Yeah, hi everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today, we have an amazing expert in the space of SBA financing, specifically around gaining lending money from banks for acquiring other companies. Lisa Forrest from Live Oak Bank. She is one of my favorite people in the acquisition entrepreneurship space. She is so helpful, friendly, and empathetic. I've talked with a lot of great people who are involved here in the acquisition space, but Lisa really stands out because while she's promoting Live Oak and you know works with, she really kind of focuses on what's going to be best for what you're doing with your business and what you're trying to do in acquiring a company. And I've had over the past year during my own search for a company, I've had multiple deep conversations with Lisa some very, very serious and some just on really weird esoteric pieces of things I didn't understand. And she was so helpful in just helping me understand things that you know, may not have anything to do with what I ever do with an acquisition. So Lisa has been such an amazing resource. And today we're going to focus a lot on you know, the value of acquisition entrepreneurship and then using SBA loans to acquire these companies. So today is really talking with an expert in the space, not an entrepreneurial journey, even though Lisa has this great background, but I'll let her talk a little bit about it. The couple of things that I think are going to be really important and I know have resonated with me is she's going to talk about really focusing on your own voice and your own story as an acquisition entrepreneur. So, you know, developing your why of what a company needs to be for you to acquire. What's the value there? She's also going to talk about the importance of looking at this kind of silver wave that's happening, all the baby boomers retiring and looking to sell their own businesses. There's a lot of talk about how great of a transfer of ownership this can become. And Lisa's going to talk about the value of looking into the various businesses that are happening and acquiring them to continue generating value. So really kind of cool. And then also one thing that a lot of people talk about in the space, but I cannot say how important this is, is one of the things that I find very important and why so many people find acquisition entrepreneurship, and Lisa's going to go into greater detail, is when you start a company, the failure rates are pretty high. 90% barely get off the ground or not in business a few years later. Getting to a million is another big cliff. Getting to five million is another cliff. You know, again and again, failure rates for starting up a company are pretty significant. In the acquisition entrepreneurship space, in acquiring a company, those failure rates are almost the opposite. And a lot of it is the specifics. You know, there is just by jumping through the hoops that the SBA puts out for the type of businesses that they will cash flow positive, debt coverage ratios, all stuff Lisa will go into greater detail. Believe me, it's taken me a long time to kind of become familiar with these terms, even if I'm not an expert, just become familiar. But 
the SBA has requirements. So a bank like Live Oak, when they follow the criteria and the SBA will back them, they've already pushed you towards a type of business is going to have a lower risk of failure. It may not be as successful. That's a whole different story. But just the risk of it failing is significantly lower, especially you know once you have the SBA funds. So there is this kind of risk adjustment that is really interesting to pay attention to. And Lisa's going to go into this. All I can say is this conversation with Lisa is really such a great primer in the value. I think you can find Lisa's conversations on Twitter and different places. She's always doing webinars and Live Oak. They have uh, regular open offices and they break down different components. But it's at the end of the day, if you are serious about looking at the acquisition entrepreneurship space, specifically in the US, and you're looking at SBA fundable companies, and it is pretty broad, as long as you're doing that, you should really reach out to Lisa. I have gotten so much value from just the conversations. And I am really hoping that our conversations continue for a long time because she's helped me so much in my own search. All right, everyone, enough about this. Let's go talk with Lisa because she really is amazing. Hello, Lisa. How are you today? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm really excited to finally get you on the show because you and I have chatted quite a few times now as I've been exploring, you know, from sort of putting my toe into now getting more serious about my own acquisition efforts and trying to find my forever company, my forever puppy. But your advice has always been so really helpful and kind of guided me away from a few things that would have been a little difficult in hindsight. I kind of thought were really cool from first viewing. <laughs> oh, I'm not crushing dreams here, AJ. I'm not trying to crush dreams. I'm just trying to give you some things to think about. But like what I was kind of talking to the audience and I would like to maybe, you've been working in the SBA space for quite a while. You have this body of knowledge that is just so incredible. And while that's impressive alone, it seems very much like you and your partner, Heather, came to Live Oak, I want to say five years ago, give or take. Yeah, we're, going, we're starting our sixth year now. And like while Live Oak always had a good product and was always there, you guys have kind of turned on the rockets for it. You know, it's now the largest player significantly in the SBA. I mean, you guys have, you know, it's sort of like you guys were playing for the Oakland A's and, you know, all of a sudden you come to the Yankees and five World Series later, you know, you guys took it to the next level. Why so much this, you know, I would almost at this point, passion for the SBA space? Oh, thank you. Hey, and Mariners, shout out. Mariners are in the playoff finally for like 21 years. Yes. So we're sorry excited to, about the Sorry Mariners. to put the Yankees into that. Apologies. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, you know, you, you got to go with the Yankees, but I'm just saying we're part of the conversation for, you know, yeah. two decades later here. So uh, thanks for that. And, you know, Heather and I definitely had a strategy around business acquisition, around financing and funding and mentoring and educating the next generation of entrepreneur. We literally brought a whole strategy around that from the buyer perspective to Live Oak. I'd love for Heather and I to take, you know, sole, sole um, credit for catapulting Live Oak. Live Oak was already on an amazing trajectory at the time, you know, starting six years ago when Heather and I were looking to strategically back entrepreneur buyers. We 
recognized that Live Oak would be an amazing platform to do that. It's a very strategic company. If you know anything about Live Oak, we've got 30 plus verticals of which my sponsor finance search fund vertical that I co-direct with Heather, we're our own vertical at Live Oak. The, the way that Live Oak has given us our platform to embrace the buy side um, aspect and really find the buyers in the market that want to be the next generation of entrepreneur. And Live Oak gave us a lot of resources and a lot of voice around doing that. That has been an amazing partnership with Live Oak. I mean, Live Oak was already on the nation's number one directory anyway, but uh, we just um, certainly fit right in with that. And if, if I can kind of continue with that, I mean, we're just well suited and we've got the silver tsunami that's been discussed for decades now. Yep, all the people retiring, the baby boomers. Yep, ab- absolutely. They've got to exit. That's their retirement is built up in their company. You know, you've got 70, 80 year olds, entrepreneurs that need to exit. And the whole entire idea of entrepreneurship, acquisition entrepreneurs, it's just really well suited and well fitted at this time. And still, the nation's employees are employed, the majority by small business owners. So there's just this confluence of things that have to happen. I think Heather and I were well on our way to recognizing this phenomenon and then wanting to create a strategy and and be with a strategic partner around that. And then that's where Live Oak and us just really, really dovetailed really, really nicely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've been really impressed, and I think I was joking with you last week when I was talking about a specific deal with you on the phone, is you guys have kind of become a default template for how to look, at least from the side of how likely something is to get financial backing, because I've been past your, I think it was the fifth one I got in a packet in a folder of like SBA eligibility. And it was like, it was your spreadsheet, like, oh, here, look, filled out. You guys have created the template of how people evaluate the likelihood of getting the thing. So maybe talk a little bit. I know you run the Wednesday and Thursday program. Like, talk about this program you have to help people who are looking. And let's kind of talk about how entrepreneurs who are already in their business cycle already have, you know, sort of like our audience already sort of in that million dollar range, you know, where do they go within that learning opportunity that you guys provide? And then how maybe some of the value they can get out of those, you know, the loans and other types of support. Right. Well, you know, appreciate this being a little bit of a platform for Live Oak. I don't, I don't mean it to necessarily be a commercial for Live Oak. We've certainly, Heather and I have thought, how do we provide resources? How do we mentor? How do we educate? How do we put tools in the hands of entrepreneur acquirers so that they could do a lot of the lifting themselves? So that's not, how do they think about acquisitions themselves? How do they maybe um, build out their own skill set around how to look at, at deals? Um, how do they form their own voice and how do they create their own point of view? Because we want our acquisition entrepreneurs to have their own point of view and their own voice. And so we created some resources around that. And then, oh, by the way, let's have a really good, efficient, effective discussion. So what we do is we have cash flow templates that we we provide our, our entrepreneur acquirers. We'll actually give you a cash flow model so that you can do your own fiddling and your own what if. It's a great way to kind of back into debt service coverages and making sure you're asking for all the right information from your sell side uh, brokers, being able to actually think about 
and complete your own cash flow, that is so powerful. Now you're not waiting on other people's opinions. You're not waiting for you know people to tell you, well, what is the debt service coverage? You're, you know what it is yourself. And then we can have a conversation around it. And we do a lot of teaching and mentoring around how to do cash flow. Even our um, entrepreneurs that might come out of business school, it's not like business schools are teaching the students actually how to do a cash flow from a debt service and a lending perspective. So we come in and we try to augment some of that. I mean, look, as I joke, I I went, I have an MBA and I joke, it was kind of like, it was just an excuse not to grow up for a few years. But yeah, my knowledge of financial statements, pretty strong, but operationally cash flow and sort of other issues, that's something that was very much glossed over. The testing was very much financial. Yeah. And so we're just getting a practical application. How do you practically apply this now in this context? Not that it, what isn't taught in business schools and great because it's fantastic. I mean, you know, majority of our clients are our business school grads and we love them. We love these folks. We love the curriculum. It's great. I love the fact that we're talking about entrepreneurship at the college level. It's amazing. So what we do is we just try to give some DYI tools for a practical application of it. And then we also do executive summary templates. We have M&A questionnaires, just kind of Heather's and my 30 plus years of doing deals and kind of the stuff that gets missed or the spilled milk. Like, let's try to talk about that stuff up front. We're just trying to give as many resources as possible. Our landing page on our website has blogs and interviews and M&A questionnaires and FAQs. We're just trying to give as much stuff out there in the ether so people can take as much as they can do it on their own, but then work with us and partner with us as well. And I, I think a lot of the searchers love it. I mean, the whole passion thing you mentioned before, I mean, this is what I've been doing. I've been financing the next generation of entrepreneur for 36 years, and I, I love it. It's amazing. And this SBA program, I do conventional lending also, but this SBA program really does do something amazing. It's, it's a really, really good tool to help our entrepreneur acquirers. No, and I think, you know, not trying to do a live oak commercial, but I have been very impressed in Tim with the size, and this could be because of the size. You know, you and Heather and you know the rest of the team have put together these resources and consistently as I've been learning about the process, other parties, third parties, Q of E providers like Elliot Holland, the Dudilio guys. You know, you have the Gridleys out there with the SMB Twitter world. You're referenced, obviously, for the ability to provide the loans, but repeatedly, you're referenced for the ability to understand the viability of, of these small business acquisitions through these, you know, your educational process, these templates, the cash flow. I mean, I've done so much modeling because we were joking ahead of time. Sellers are still keeping, as interest rates are changing and the environment's getting a little wonky, they're still trying to keep their, you know, right at the top of what they know you can still get an SBA at because they, they know that cash and strategic buyers are still their preferred, but they need the SBA buyers to kind of still keep the prices honest. And with things changing, you know, with the interest rates rising, it's a lot of modeling, you know, of like, ooh, that's going to be hurt. <laughs> so I've been using your spreadsheets a lot. And just this advice, you know, I think there's this misconception from existing businesses. You were kind of saying ahead of time that um, you hear from a lot of entrepreneurs who have ongoing businesses, and then all of a sudden are like, well, what's next? What type of 
people come to you, you know, come and start learning and start talking to you, you know, if they have a business already, what's usually the kind of the situation? Yeah. And I would say on, on any given day, Heather's and my, about a, probably a third of our pipeline, kind of a third of our kind of act, active projects we're working are probably our existing CEOs, our existing portfolio now acquiring a second or a third company. I think we were joking. This is the conversation we have a lot where they get through transition, they buy it, deal number one, opportunity number one, they've transitioned it, they're getting along great with the employees and it's grown and they're they're at a level where it feels really good and they're not having to necessarily have their finger on it, you know, 24 seven. Well, with these entrepreneurs and entrepreneur acquirers, it's an amazing personality. What happens is they get bored. It's like, okay, now what's next? Either they're they're bored because they don't have enough to do, they've really transitioned it, and they really can take on more. They want to, that they've gotten sort of good at the first acquisition. It's what they thought it was going to be, or maybe it wasn't what they thought it was going to be, but it's turned out okay, and now they want to do more. Uh, so sometimes there's just a boredom factor. And then sometimes there's also, and or, in order for me to achieve my exit strategy, now my EBITDA multiple needs to grow. One, it's good for me. It's good for my employees. I'm I'm providing a service and a real good benefit to the community. Now I want to grow for not only for the employees to have more room to move and and to grow themselves, but I, I want to increase that EBITDA. So ultimately, for me, I can have a better exit opportunity. And acquiring growth by acquisition is a great way to do it, and we love helping. Now, I mean, you've talked about this, you know, sort of the kind of enjoying and, you know, supporting sort of the repeat entrepreneurs. I think one of the things that I find really interesting and starting to see more is just that when the SBA, yes, there's this 5 million cap, but it's 5 million in total. So I think there are some entrepreneurs are starting to realize, oh, if I pay down my debt on my existing business, then all of a sudden it's like, I can go and get again, more money. So maybe I pay off 2 million of my debt. I can go get 2 million. Is it more sort of like inbound, like, oh, hey, you know, it was such a great process early on. I would love to come back. Or do you create like a, do you outreach? Do you talk to people who've done it? Like ones that you think are going to be sort of on this repeat process. Do you, you know, are there tracks that you guys do? Or is it just sort of keeping them, you know, your own CRM and kind of keeping the relationship warm in case they go that direction. I think that Heather and I sort of always assume that our particular type of acquirer is already interested in the second and third and fourth acquisitions. I think that's just the clients that gravitate toward us and and we to them. But these are conversations we're having up front. When we're looking at the first acquisition, we're already asking them, are you thinking, uh, is this an industry where you want to roll up? Is this going to be sort of one and done for you? Are you, what's your plan? We ask everyone what their growth plans are so that we're creating this relationship. We're, we're going to be extending this relationship. And given that about a third of our clients, it takes them six months to start their search sign an LOI and close at six months. Another third takes up to a year. And then there's another third that takes over a year to find a company. So we, we're we creating relationships. These aren't just deals for us. They are long-term relationships. And 
we have a really good appreciation and understanding for our clients' growth plans. And a lot of them already are talking about growth by acquisition. A lot of our clients are choosing a certain industry because it is fragmented. They know that they can acquire additional locations. And you don't spend you know six, nine months with someone and not have a, an ongoing relationship with them. So we're keeping in touch with our clients long after the first acquisition. No, I like that because, yeah, I mean, just from my own sort of planning, it is very much like, oh, my thesis is generally around professional services and sort of growth providers. And yeah, there are those few big players and then just a large amount of <laughs> small players. So yeah, the fan is the sort of the hope is to develop that. I think if an entrepreneur is starting to think this way, what's the best way for them first to kind of get involved? Is it through your the weekly classes? What's the best way? Yeah, and I'd say the sooner the better, even if, if people are just even thinking about it, they haven't quite decided if, if the acquisition path is, is going to be right for them. I'd say reach out, give, send me an email, introduce yourself, and then I'll send links to the office hours. That's the best way to do it. It's every Wednesday at eight o'clock. Every Thursday at eight o'clock Pacific Standard, we go over everything SBA and we're going to share our point of view for SBA. There, uh, we have certain cash flow hurdles that we think work best. We have certain industries we like better than others. So it's all about a fit. There's lots of really, there are lots of really amazing SBA lenders out there as well. I mean, it is such a great program and it's all about fit. So I would say attend the Wednesday. We're going to talk pre-LOI process. Thursday, we're going to give you our cash flow model and our executive summary templates for talking with us about deals pre-LOI, but giving you tools in order to understand and analyze deals first yourself. We do that on Thursday. And let's just get started. Let's let's explore it. Well, about 90% of the audience out there is USA based. So, you know, I apologize to you know, my Canadians and UK and then a very, very long tail of other countries. But I know you say that you talk about this so often, but maybe just quickly, because I know my audience maybe isn't as much of focus on acquisition, but they probably are starting to hear more about it. What is that value of the SBA? Why is this so valuable? Because this is definitely, there are types of companies that can only literally be bought with the, an SBA loan if you're looking for you know, financing. Right. And US-based lending program, of course, and if you've got to be 51% of the ownership has to be US citizen or permanent resident, 51% of the ownership. So the reason it's so compelling is that in the lower middle market, and let's assume this is sort of a million and a half of EBITDA and below, sort of, and I'm going to say enterprise value, purchase price, kind of up to $10 million, because we also have a Live Oak Junior conventional piece I can put behind the Live Oak SBA. Yeah, that's what's cool. Yeah. So I'm going to say SBA actually can almost go up to enterprise values of sort of $10 million because of that. And this is what we go over on that Wednesday call. I mean, we, we kind of strip this down and just talk kind of SBA 101. But it allows you to afford a lower middle market company in a way that you couldn't without this finance because it's a 10-year term on the SBA loan. So uh, in lower middle market, this is the way that sellers are able to exit in the most kind of reasonable way without them having to put large amounts of seller note. And that's when I started doing this with SBA, generally that's how deals were financed ages ago. It was all with seller note. 
and the SBA program as the SBA loan sizes. Now you can go up to a $5 million loan under SBA. When those loan sizes increased, it really opened up the doors for this lower middle market, privately held business exit process. You get a 10-year amortization and it's cash flow based. It is not supposed to be collateral based. That's where every lender can have their different opinion on it. But we, yes. we are a true cash flow lender, like a lot of SBA lenders, a cash flow lender. And the SBA guarantee, they literally guarantee a portion of our loan that we're making to you. It's all our money that's being lent. But in theory, if something bad happens, they're going to come in and guarantee a portion of it. So what it does is it compels a lender to make an um, under collateralized loan. And we are going to focus very heavily on our cash flow analysis because we are not counting on that SBA guarantee. We do not want to get in a situation where that's our fallback. We want the cash flow to be um, adequate with enough margin and enough room to pay us back. But that's the value of the SBA program. Well, and this kind of gets to then the value, you know, and going back to the audience, you know, we've had discussions around sort of acquisition entrepreneurship and why. But there's this conversation generally out there that in looking at some of the studies coming out of Harvard, and I think Booth does a really big study on acquisition or search funded, at least, that the failure, you know, we all are familiar with starting a business, the failure rates are, you know, huge. And then hitting a million dollars, there's another big failure rate. And then every time you have a big jump, there's a big failure. So like businesses that survive from start are few and far between. Businesses that already exist though and you know are acquired, if I remember, it's something like less than 20% is the ongoing failure rate, at least from historical search fund type of data. So with the combination of the SBA protection, it does seem like a, yes, it's still a high risk loan, but it, it is a more calculated risk moving forward, you know, especially if you are an entrepreneur and looking to expand, you know, kind of going there. Given that there seems to be a little bit all over the place um, with the, well, all over the place two weeks ago, I think everyone I've talked to in the past week, along with the interest rates, two weeks rise and, and then what's going on, you know, with Ukraine and our friends in Russia, there's a concern, you know, that we're looking at recession. And what have you seen in this space about how a recession impacts acquisitions? Do you see more of them going under? You know, what sort of have your experience of maybe going through 2008? Because I knew large amounts of agencies, clients disappeared. You know, we had to change our business model back then and were able to grow because we did. But like, it wasn't a fun time. What have you seen? Well, I think every cycle has its own unique qualities to it. I think we're in a different situation now compared to where we were in 2008, where just huge swaths of, of people got sort of left behind in 2008, but for a very different reason uh, of where we're at today. I would say in our portfolio, our searchers performed very well through COVID. We had some industries that just weren't good industries like trade show, trade show booths. Tours, did not yeah. survive very well during COVID. But for the most part, with the idea of search fund model or search funds where you're you're looking at kind of cyclical proof businesses, at least during COVID, our, our companies did very, very well and our businesses did well. And during this cycle now, I think cash flow is going to be king and making sure you're not overpaying for a company and you're not over leveraging it. 
I mean, each each little kind of dip, ebb and flow that we have is going to require and need something different. We are, um, it'll be interesting to see if the sellers are going to participate in balancing out where we're at right now. And if the sale prices are going to stick where they're at and capital's more expensive, then that means on, and you're coming in with the same amount of equity that you were six months ago, then that is tighter cash flow. You know, something has to give. So, you know, AJ, I don't, I don't know how to answer your question right now. We're in the middle of it. Our lending standard has not changed. We're not going to dip our debt service coverage requirements just because deals now don't fit. Yeah. Other lenders might, and I'm and I'm not saying these aren't adequate deals and these aren't good deals to be interested in. One banker's, one lender's opinion is that we're going to keep our standards the same. And if this is tracking to how things worked in the past, in the lower middle market in SBA land, sellers probably should be adjusting their prices a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that would be wonderful. We're going to see. We're not going to change our standard around it. Well, yeah, I mean, well, let's come back to that. I'm, I was meaning more of like just the overall, like SBA-backed companies in previous recessions, just in a more macro general sense. How have they tended to play out from your experience compared to maybe what you were seeing in the broader economy? So not, you know, not how things were changing and the approach, but like how generally do SBA-backed from you know the ones you've seen? Well, compared to startups, business acquisitions do better. The thing though is SBA doesn't keep good stats. So when we get asked this question, well, to break down SBA's default rates, well, SBA doesn't compare and contrast between loan size. They don't compare and contrast between startup versus expansion versus business acquisition. So I can only talk about the deals I personally am doing. SBA, during recessions, businesses fail. Businesses do better when the economy is stronger. I mean, I don't have a more concrete answer for you. I would say just from me personally with my business, I have never focused on startup because it's really hard. Startup is really, really hard. Um, I've always focused on business acquisition. And at least for my clients, when you have debt service coverages that are going to allow for some margin compression or some hiccups or some uh-ohs, those companies tend to do better. And I know I'm not answering your question. So maybe offline, AJ, what I can do is I can try to answer that question for you and then try to give you some stats where you can share with your audience. Here, I'll take it a little bit. Let's keep it a little more esoteric because what I, maybe one of the things that is useful to look at and think about, you know, from other entrepreneurs, we talk a lot like just doing the right things for the right reasons and the debt coverage ratio, you know, and the cash flow and the ability that you guys require you all require in a sense requires a level of discipline because you know and i know there's different you know the the structure of afterwards is different than a traditional conventional loan but i do think that like i see a lot of entrepreneurs and i know i've been who really are playing icarus you know with their with their business you know they grow as fast as they can the focus is on revenue growth etc but when you look at the SBA product and you know the, those loan covenants require that there is that cash flow, there is that like attention, that almost discipline to be able to pay off the things and not just be able to pay off, but pay off and at least start with you know some part there. So maybe do you think this 
creates additional discipline in the entrepreneurs, or do you think the entrepreneurs coming in already have that discipline from sort of a operational sort of structure? Well, I would say that because of the niche that I serve, I think a lot of my clients are already coming with that discipline. That's how they're seeking this out. And there's so much education out there around acquisition entrepreneurship. And a lot of our clients are already coming to us with that sort of initiative in mind. But I would say that's one thing that that I like around our approach. It is a very disciplined approach. I am not thinking about the SBA guarantee when I analyze my deals. I'm not thinking about that as being, oh, if something doesn't work out, oh, you've got the SBA guarantee. If something doesn't work out, lives are shattered. I mean, you know, there are lives that, that get destroyed when deals don't work out. And so our fallback is not the SBA guarantee. We're trying to keep a disciplined approach going into it so that that is really just an extreme fallback. But one of your words you said was covenants. In SBA loans, there aren't actually any covenants. Yeah. So you're paying us as agreed, and that's the bottom line. If you're paying us as agreed, then that's the stipulation. Then we're not coming in and saying, oh, you've got to tighten this up. In our conventional loans, there are lots of conversation around metrics, and we, we are definitely holding you to metrics and standards as you pay. In SBA, because there aren't any governance, that's why at least Heather's and my approach is we're trying to put a lot of discipline around getting the, the loan and the acquisition done in the first place. We want good trends. We And again, this is everything we talk about on our Wednesday. We're going to share our point of view with you. And uh, we're trying to instill the discipline in there with our process. And luckily for us, I mean, this is the niche we go after. A lot of our SMB acquirers already are coming just a sponge to the discipline. And, and we definitely are approaching it that way. I mean, You've been in this for a while and maybe just kind of going, but it seems like what I saw walk, you know, my entry, you know, I had acquired, you know, a few company, a few small companies when I had my agency before I sold it. I knew sort of more conventional exits to holding, you know, since advertising world, the holding company, the large advertising holding companies, but sort of the SMB acquisition space, I really knew nothing of because I was always told, oh, you're too small to even worry about until you're past 10 million, all this stuff. So, you know, I had whole different growth plans back in the day for my company. And for my entry was sort of the Walker Dayable, buy then grow. I'm always getting it confused with grow then <laughs> build to grow or build to sell. Buy then build. Yeah, buy then build. But definitely right before COVID and then definitely late 2020, it seems, you know, with the rise of the Cody Sanchez's and, you know, this SMB Twitter world, it has exploded. How has that experience been for you since you've been here? You've been, you know, you've been preaching, you know, for a good amount of time. You know, how has this experience, you know, what have you seen really put the fire to this space other than sort of the gray, you know, the baby boomer, you know, effect? Well, I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a, a lot of elements over time kind of conspiring to, you know, have this liftoff right now. One, just the macroeconomic environment, baby boomers need to exit. That has created the environment right then and there. And it hasn't waned. Even with our, our prices going to come down a little bit, I don't know whether they, they are or they aren't. These entrepreneurs, operators, baby boomers, they have got to exit. That is still there. 
So that has created this whole entire environment. And on the acquisition side, one business school's actually teaching this as a curriculum. And these are really great classes, such amazing professors, lots of ETA clubs, entrepreneurship through acquisition clubs through the business schools. And that has just continued and and everyone's just gotten better at that. And then social media, you've got Twitter, SMB acquisition and investor Twitter spaces. It's amazing. And a lot of really good high level work is being done in those rooms. And then you've got searchfunder.com that came along, you know, five years ago that created a space for it and a platform. And just as lenders started getting more initiated and um, kind of smart about this space and that SBA could be a really good vehicle and avenue for this. And also investors. There are investors that are investing in this lower middle market space using SBA, understanding how to use it. And there are some lenders that that might have a different opinion about having investors in on SBA deals. But if you do it right, if everyone is doing it right and you're keeping within the SBA guidelines and the rules, which we always are, having investors on deals can be really amazing. And it's just another element to why this is just such a great time and why ETA entrepreneurship through acquisition is really working. Just so many elements. I know there's there's so many elements I haven't mentioned in here, but those are the <laughs> ones just coming to my mind on the podcast here. They all seem to be amplifying each other. And I joke, like even six, seven months ago, it seemed like they all had their own sort of vocabulary. And that seems to be a little less. Yeah, it was like there was this the traditional search funders, which were family funds and all that. And they were talking, they were the you know, the PE firms coming down, slumming it, you know, and then there was the micro folks and then the acros. But it's interesting. I think now people are starting to use a more common vocabulary across things. And AJ, one other thing I'd like to mention too is our, is our military veterans. That's something also I didn't oh, yeah. mention in sort of that's another element having entrepreneurship through acquisition, kind of hashtag veteran ETA. That's also another amazing piece to this. And I'd say that uh, Heather and I on any kind of given day, at least a third of our business is military veteran. Um, At least sometimes it's higher than that. And there's ebbs and flows on that, obviously. But uh, that's also another really great way to kind of, I think, honor our veteran service to this country by educating them and mentoring them that this is a real path. Small business CEO, small business ownership is a great path for them to continue their service. And our military veterans are just so good at being business leaders. And yes. so that's something also we're really passionate about getting that that message out as often as we can. And I think that they're also really driving this entrepreneurship acquisition kind of fever, if you will. No, I mean, it's funny because I, um, just to kind of, I'll keep it generalized, but I was looking at a deal that I know wasn't good for me, but my sister, who is ex-Army, um, it was in sort of the CrossFit weightlifting, you know, environment. And my sister's in a competitive, not Olympically, a powerlifting group. I mean, it's like, but it's amazing just how tight knit that group is. And I was trying to push her for it. And she was like, well, yeah, I don't know. And I'm like, look, you live this. You know, you can always find the accountants, the, the you know, the people on the numbers, you know, that passion. So on the military, I don't I know there's no real 
extra financial support. It's more that there's just sort of a general eagerness to support veterans coming into the ETA space. Is that correct? Yeah. I I wish the SBA had kind of more incentives. There's um, a fee decrease now or a fee waiver for a a smaller transaction. I think it's got to be under 350 if I'm understanding that correctly. And I think what it is, it's the community itself. It's this ETA ecosystem. It's the search fund ecosystem that is just trying to be very supportive and mentoring and educating. So it's, it's really coming from the ecosystem itself, which is another reason why I just love being in this SMB search fund, self-funded search space because the, the community itself is very supportive. I, I, you, you've mentioned a couple of times, I saw an opportunity, it wasn't a good fit for me. So I mentioned it to somebody else. That's how this is working. And especially in veteran ecosystems as well, it's all about everyone trying to be there for one another. If an entrepreneur is either looking to get in as a pure acquisition entrepreneur, or if they have an existing business and all of a sudden are like, oh, okay, maybe I should go look, you know, to acquire something to bolt on, to add on, you know, all the different variables in that, how should they first start preparing before they even come to you? What's kind of the effort you best, you think is best for an entrepreneur to take before getting serious on, you know, getting into the financing side? There's so much, there's a lot of resources out there. There's programs, but I'm just saying you don't necessarily have to. If you're interested, email me, join my office hours, just get started. Well, okay, right? I was going to go there next. I was gonna go. So this, this whole thing of like, I'm fixing to get ready to think about to do it. Okay, sure. There's a lot of reading material out there. You can, you can get on Twitter. You can, you can Google anything that's out there. But I'm also saying, hey, pick up the phone, email me, join my office hours. Let's just get started. Send the damn LOI. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny. All right. Maybe I, you know, phrase it because I do come. I do think there is just jumping in. I recently, I know you were having a Twitter discussion with Elliot Hollins, who does my Q of E. And I was trying to outthink this possible deal and like all this. And he says, send damn, just send the LOI. You're not going to know anything. So it just gets started. Just get yeah. started. Send me some bullet points. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's get going. But I was going to say on Twitter in particular and searchfunder.com, uh, just two examples, reach out to fellow entrepreneurs, reach out to f- fellow uh, searchers, reach out to those folks that have already bought a company. That's also another way. And as I said, the community is really sharing. It's caring. It wants to help the next person do the thing that they just were able to do. So there's lots of different avenues to educate yourself. It's not just one thing. You know, connect. Definitely connect. Well, how should someone, where should they go? And yeah, how should they get in touch with you? Just email me, lisa.forest with two R's at liveoak.bank. Lisa.forest at liveoak.bank can send you links for office hours. You can share a little bit about your, your approach. And then I do a lot of connecting. A lot of what I do during the day is just connecting people to other people. No, I mean, I reached out on a question. I can't even remember how long ago. And you thought, you know, it was funny. Um, compared to a lot of the other bankers, you reached right out. I got responses from other bankers like, eh, if you have something, if you have a signed LOI, then we can talk. You reached right out and you know had a conversation with me. I mean, it's evolved a bit, but like you did, you followed right up, you know, and I didn't have an LOI, so you know, 
Definitely. That's I mean, it's that easy. It is that simple. <laughs> yep. I will everyone will have them in the show notes. And definitely the the weekly sessions. I've seen the recordings of it. Until recently I was in the wrong time zone to actually do it in a way that I would as my old body would be able to stay awake, but I am looking forward to doing it. Thank you for just how much you've been sharing out there. It's been great. So we'll have your Twitter very active in LinkedIn also. We'll we'll put that all out for everyone to get in touch. And just everyone just be polite, but go reach out to Lisa directly. We need these companies to continue on. I mean, this is like this is legitimately something that needs to happen. Yep. It makes the more small businesses a you know, I always love some of the stats. It's like the percentage of small business usually also indicates the stableness of a country, you know, of a country's sort of corruption and all the different status. So the more not small, small, but like higher more I think it's something like three to ten people, the more businesses that have that of that level, the more stable a country is from turnover of government to economy to all sorts of good stuff. So that's such wide-reaching considerations and, and impacts our small business owners do. Absolutely. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on today. That's great. Good to talk to you. I would love to have you back on because I think we can go so much deeper, especially what's going on in the economy. But thank you so much for today. Okay. Well, it's good talking to you. And let's do something for you too. I'm working. I have my LOIs out. Believe me. I'll <laughs> keep getting more out. We will get this soon. Thanks, AJ. Bye now. Bye-bye. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.